Hello out there world. Welcome to episode 19 of the Modern Educator Podcast. This is your host, Corey Brown. And today I'm joined by one of my former students, Lou Vo. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Lou. Hello, everyone. I am Lou Vo. I am a student at Rancho High School and a former student of Corey Brown. Yep. And, and Lou, you are 18 and you're in your senior year of high school. That's correct? Yes, sir. I am 18 and I give consent. <laughs> well, thanks, Lou. I appreciate that. Um, all right. So, so Lou, uh, let, let's start off with your experience with online school so far. What are your general thoughts about learning online through the pandemic? I would say that online schooling isn't like shouldn't really be necessary. Like I, like I have seen examples like of places around the United States where the, everyone is back in school already. But the thing about online school that really upsets me is that it's really hard. It might look easy because you're at, at home and everything, it, but it's really hard for a family like mine where we have a we have a little like my little sister. She's taking IEP uh, IEP classes right now. It's really hard for me at the same time to manage my schoolwork and taking care of her at the same time. This goes for all the other families out there, especially like those that have to work seven days a week. For an example, a family can like you know, the mom and dad, they're busy. They have uh, their little girl, which is in like kindergarten, for an example. It's going to be really difficult for those parents to uh, take care of their kids during like this distant learning because it's just so much stress for the parent. And at the same time, they have to balance out work as well. Well, well, yeah, and especially you're saying that you're in your senior year of high school, and not only are you trying to manage your classes, but you're also sort of responsible for your sister's learning as well. Yes, sir. Even even my older sister that's in college. <laughs> so you're, you're just helping everybody out. Oh, my goodness. That's... Yeah, and, and I recall back when you were in my own classroom, you had enough things to be stressed out about. And now you have to sort of care for these other people while you're at home and you can't sort of socialize and you can't interact with other kids. So how, how does that affect you? Like, I don't really have that much friend to really, like you know, socialize with. I'm more of a person who socializes in person rather than through text message and calls. Like at school, on a normal school days, I can easily socialize with anyone. But at home, like I rarely know anyone to even socialize with them. Even in the classroom, it's all just listening to the teacher talk. There's really no teamwork or any socialization going on. Well, well, yeah, in, in online learning, it's just impossible to do it. But obviously, if we were an in-person school, there would be some some socializing and some hanging out. But yeah, it's it's rough. So, like, I yeah, I would like to mention, especially like with the amount of work that's given to an average high school student, it may look like a little, but it's actually a lot. The amount of work is twice as much as it, as if you were in school, because I am mm. currently taking AP calculus and other AP courses. And you would expect, like, you know, the amount of work to be like, you know, an average AP class, like, you know, on a normal school day where you take notes and you do homework. Well, the homework is basically twice the amount of homework that I have to do. Now, Rancho High School, they have set a new policy where this, like, you know, each department, at, like, you know, each department, like the math department, English department and science department, they get to set their own due date for late work. And now it's going to add more stress to other students as well. 
Mm. So you you just wish there was maybe a consistent policy? I wish that it was consistent policy and maybe teachers would be more understanding with the amount of work they're, that they're giving out. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, I've had some situations this year at Desert Oasis High School where students are having serious emotional problems and uh, having some challenges at home. And it's the amount of, of stress and pressure kids are under to take responsibility for their own learning. Uh, I, I don't think it's working out well for, for many kids. Yes, because I don't really think, because knowing you like you back then, even in my 10th and 11th grade, I was always a 3.0 student. Like every quarter, I was always a 3.0 student. But now just like just the first like first and second quarter alone, I'm like a 2.0 student. So that's like a lot. Like, like I drop a lot. Oh, man, that's that's rough to hear, Lou, because, you know, definitely know you're a super smart kid. And I'm just I'm, I'm shocked. It's a lot more challenging for, for you. And I assume many of your peers to stay on task and stay motivated and stay willing to do all this work on these online platforms when i don't know you will you you mentioned you've got to take care of your sisters and you've got to do stuff for your family so it, it, do you feel like you have less free time during the pandemic yes i would say that i have really less free time during the pandemic because usually i would be able to get my work done like before eight o'clock but now i have to stay past eight o'clock to do all you know all my work and i usually finish like at 2 a.m in the morning well, I, I hope you're doing better, man. I think I think the pandemic is is slowing down and there's talks of putting us back in school. So would you do you support going back to school as soon as possible? I do support going back to school, but there's also another thing that I really want to propose. And it is more like four days, like you know, a week type of schooling. Cause in January I even myself, I feel more relaxed in January, the month of January, because like every week was like four days because we always have that Wednesday off and it felt so much better to get caught caught up on everything on Wednesday and then finishing off the weekends like, you know, at ease. But now, Lou, let's let's transition the conversation back to your experiences pre pandemic. OK, so this is your your life in the American school system before the pandemic started. Uh, overall, did you enjoy school and did you especially did you enjoy high school? My high school, like, you know, experience really, like, you know, shifted a lot because when I was a freshman, I didn't really attend Rancho High School. I was more of a private school student. I attended um, okay. Board of Electrician Academy and it was more like a religious and conservative school. So when I transitioned to Rancho High School, it was a really different experience for me because throughout my middle school years and most of my elementary school, I have been going to private school and been taught using the conservative lifestyle. When Ever since when I joined Rancho, I remember that everything was really different, to be honest. It, like I felt more lenient in my, like, you know, in my ways of life. And I remember, I remember even in your class too, like, you know, when we were talking about like, you know, religion and everything. And I remember how open it was in your class for lunchtime and everything. Yes, it was a totally different experiment for me too, even in high school, because I was never used to like, you know, a lunch room with what, 500 kids at the same time. 
academic wise, I find that it, it was much easier too. like, you know, like schooling is easier and I'm actually learning more stuff there because of the resources mm -hmm. given. I would say like my high school life has been going okay, but ever since the pandemic hit, it has been going down. What makes a teacher effective? In, well, in, I find in my, in my sophomore and junior year, I find that there's two types of teacher that I found that was really effective on me. Mostly, mostly you for one and my pre-cal teacher. Boom, boom. Yeah. This is the kind of kid you bring on your podcast, everybody. <laughs> well, this is the kind of kid you bring on your podcast. Well, I would like to start with you first. <laughs> All right, let's, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, I'll start with you first, especially in world history, because I remember the way how you teach us. It was really enjoyable. I think a good teacher should be at least making their attempting to make their class more enjoyable and trying to get everyone participating. Because I remember, I remember all your tests, like at every unit that we passed by. There, it was usually forty questions, but like out of those forty questions, I only missed like what four questions, four three questions. And I, I always did really good on your test, even with the essays writing and everything too. What well, was that? What, were my tests too easy? No, it wasn't, it wasn't too easy. Everything that is in the test was in the PowerPoint. Like, you know, everything that we learned was in the PowerPoint. Like you made it short, concise, and it was really easy to understand. And then yeah. especially the videos too. I really enjoyed your videos. Yeah. Well, and and for any teachers listening to this podcast, it's called uh, reverse uh, test design. Oh, I th oh, maybe that's not what it's called. But it's I always design my tests first, and then I designed everything else around the tests. And so here you are as a student telling me it worked out real well. So that's great. It worked really well because at the same time, I was really enjoying history and really wanting to learn history. Like every after the test, like we done, we we always like you know ended off with a game. Like the game was just something like the game. I remember everyone in the class was like so hyped up about it. Like, yeah, we're great. You don't see anyone sitting in the corner. Like everyone was participating and wanting to to learn from your role play games. You know, I it, it's made me almost a legendary teacher. The, the fact that I have all these uh, I incorporate Dungeons and Dragons and board games into the classroom. I'm, well, I'm glad you really enjoy those, man, because I know a lot of students have have comments about that as well. Yes, because everyone like everyone really enjoyed it. And I remember, yeah, I remember like there, there were days when our class was really quiet and all, but everyone, when it comes to the test, like everyone was just bombing it because of like, you know, how on point the slideshows were. Like comparing to other classes slideshows, I would say that yours were, were like the best. Your slideshow was like the best that I ever came across because I got all that I really needed to know about that subject rather than, you know, reading like a whole entire document on it. Oh, all right. Awesome. Yeah. I put a lot of effort into my presentations and uh, I think I've got them even more concise over the last two years as well. That's, that's great, man. Because right, cool. I, I would like to say that it's more like how much that we, we should know rather than how much detail we should know, like how much that we should really know in order to like, you know, to move on with our life and we can use it for our everyday life. Because like there's some teacher that wants you to like, you know, read a whole novel on the subject or read a, like a whole case on the subject. But in fact, you don't really need that in your everyday life. You just really need the basic to move on. Right on, man. Appreciate the compliment. I worked hard for you, Lou.
worked hard for every kid in that class. Yeah, so, I would like to now talk about my pre-cal experience too, because I did find my pre-cal teacher really, really effective. As a student, like in my 10th grade year, in my sophomore year, I remember like, you know, not doing so well in algebra, in algebra two, especially. So, like I remember getting C's in that class and then one quarter I got like a D. But mm -hmm. the thing about about my pre-cal class that was so special was the way how the teacher taught. She made sure that the whole class, we took out every single note, like from the slideshow that she gave to us. Like she, she would do like serious notebook check and everyone was like on point. I remember, like, I remember, I, I, I do have to admit, I did slacked off a lot in algebra too, but at the same time in pre-cal, I didn't really slack off in that class. I was every day in that class, I was motivated to learn. Like I did every single homework without missing any. That's surprising, Mr. Brown, because I, I remember missing some of your homework. Yeah, I think you usually made it up, though. I'm I'm yeah, pretty confident yeah, I gave you straight A's. Yeah. I would yeah. be shocked if I didn't. But in pre-cal, it was really different because I made up – I didn't even have to make up any homework because all of it was due on time. It was just something about the class that made it really effective. And I would just say that it's probably how the teacher wanted us to learn. The materials that she provided to us was really, really good like the equation and the way how she taught us how to do the notes and everything, how to stay organized. I was actually like on top of things though. I would say a really effective method that she used was a binder, just a binder itself. And in that binder, there's like four five sections. It's like homework, tests, notes, like, you know, note quiz, uh, notebook quiz and homework as well. It's like just all of that made like, you know, life and, life in the class easier awesome great and and anything maybe even from your your private school from middle school from elementary school is there any teacher you remember really did something awesome actually no not really because not really, oh, not, not really. i'm gonna be honest not really because most of it was like the problem with private school is that their resources is really low and everything mm. comes from the parents pocket rather than the government's pocket I, I remember like, you know, like just, just a biology test itself. It, it wasn't really effective because we did do test reviews and everything, but most of the test was really easy because you can literally put down all the answer on the cheat cards because a teacher allowed cheat sheet. And I wouldn't say that is effective. It is effective because at the same time you're passing the quiz, but it, you're not really learning anything from it. Uh, all right. Let me uh, flip the question then. Lou, have you had any bad teachers in your life? I would say yes. Mostly in my, currently I'm taking a AP calculus and the teacher is just not, not the type of teacher that I really like because the problem with her, with her class is that she teaches in a reverse classroom. Do you know what that is, Mr. Brown? Uh, it's, it's what I'm doing right now. It's, uh, does this teacher film all their lectures and ask you to watch the lectures um, on your own time? Yes, but the thing about that that is that like I, I don't really complain about it much, but mostly the problem is that it's an AP class, and AP classes, you shouldn't really be doing reverse classroom because teachers should know that you're like, you know, the point of like, you know, in AP classes is being prepared for like, you know, the upcoming exam and knowing the equation and f 
fundamental of the algebraic, not algebraic, the calculus problems. But doing reverse classroom, it's it's really, we don't get that much time of the teacher, like, you know, to explain to us how to do that problem, how to solve that problem. Well, what is the teacher doing during your live uh, Google Meet classes? Well, she's just going over like, you know, worksheets and that's it. But oh. what's the point of really going over a worksheet when the student doesn't really understand the problem? Yeah, I, I would assume that the teacher should do kind of a lot of one on one checking with kids and be like, you know, hey, Lou, are you understanding this equation? Let me show you something you don't understand. Well, yes, I well, I did remember popping in office hours at some point, but the way how she teaches is like really vague. Mm. Like it was just just vague, and I didn't really understand anything from from it to be honest. Like I remember just popping up with a question on how to do this, but the way how she taught it was like really vague. She she taught it like if I already knew the problem and knew how to work it, and uh, such. So, yeah, because. You, you wanted kind of a, an explanation from the very beginning, and she gave you an explanation starting at like step five. And you're like, yeah. I didn't know how to get even to step two. Yeah, because so. I remember one time, I remember one time too, I, I, I was telling her about it. Like I, I asked her like, why are you doing a re, uh, reverse classroom in an AP class? And then she was like, it should be your job to be staying on task and getting like, you know, the stuff needed. Well, I mean, I am doing a reverse classroom in both AP Human Geography and AP World, but I think the big difference is in my content, it's just, hey, kids, learn about the world, learn about the past. But then when it comes to like the skills, especially the writing skills, that's what most of my online classes are all about. I'm just calling kids out one at a time. Yeah. I'm doing example essays with kids. I'm showing them the skills in person, but I'm saying, hey, check the content in my videos in your own time. Yes, but the thing is that calculus and history and geo are like, you know, two different things where well, calculus yeah. requires you to really know how to do the problem, really yeah, have to all the skills. Solve it. You really need skills for that. While for geo and world, you can just have to memorize it and know like, you know, which order happens or like, you know, this happened at this period and that period. Yep. Like you could just memorize it while in calculus, you have to solve it and not every problem are the same compared to world and geo. Yeah. And I, I remember growing up, believe it or not, math was my favorite core subject in middle school and high school. I always loved math class. But when I thought about, you know, I want to be a teacher, what do I want to teach? I just knew that if I were to teach math, it's like, I know how the math works in my head. But I don't know if I could really like help a kid through a really complicated math problem because it's hard for me to explain how my brain uses numbers. And especially when I saw all this new stuff about common core math curriculum where they have kids like do math problems in these really weird ways that I don't understand. I was like, yeah, that's never going to be me. I'm never going to be an effective math teacher. Man, I, I give a lot of credit to math teachers because it's, it's yeah, a I very... do, I do it too, but like AP Calc is just like one of the classes that I'm not in favor of during this pandemic. Mm. Maybe, maybe if it like if we were in person, I can probably do at least better, but I, I'm not doing well in that class. Yeah, shoot, that's tough to hear, man. I know you're, I know you're a smart guy. Okay, so what do you specifically remember the most from my class? I know you've already talked about my my powerpoints and my games I don't know, is there is there one lesson that stands out to you 
I would really like to say that one lesson was it was more like a private lesson because I remember mm. being the type of troll on the internet, just basically a troll on the internet, just messing around, playing around, like you know, just laughing at the racist jokes on the internet and stuff. I remember how in your class I always thought like you know those jokes were funny and stuff, and it and I really and that one particular day, like our little lesson really changed me as a person. Cause I remember you were like, Lou, I want you to watch American history X. Just watch that movie and, and then have a conversation with me about it. And, and I did. And really that movie really changed me as a whole. And I, I just realized like my eyes opened up and I was like, yes, this world is like really like everyone is really racist. And then I would say starting from that day, like I really like, you know, I really made any more like, you know, jokes, racist jokes, or like, you know, somewhat borderline racist jokes, or I, I don't even like hardly find those funny anymore, basically. Well, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up, Lou, because I've told multiple people that you were the student I feel like I've made the biggest difference with in my career as an educator, because you did start out as the internet troll. And I think you ended as a very, a, a very capable young man. And I also know you, you came to me with a lot of your kind of relationship problems over the course of sophomore year. You had to me for a lot of advice. And uh, I think I, I did a lot to help you through that. So um, I wouldn't I, recommend relationship advice. So you were <laughs> <laughs> sorry if my advice wasn't great. But but uh, you you're definitely one of the kids who was constantly in my room before and after school. And you you asked me questions about everything. You asked me questions about college and about my time in Korea and how to get a job and I don't know. Like, there, there was always something, some question you had for me. And uh, yeah, like and you really changed me too as a person because now as I'm entering my college years, like my four college year, I I have my life planned out and that racism and injustices like you know around the world and just like you know problematic things like those are the things that i want to like you know fight against those are like you know the thing that i wanted to like you know spend my time fighting and speaking up i would say that you you really changed me well i'm 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 glad that you're the one saying it because i i i thought i thought i did good good work for you lou and i'm, I'm glad you're you're telling me that it makes me yeah because out of everything like you know you have taught me like you know i from now on like you know like even like every day i've been i've been trying my best like you know to help people around me because i remember like that one time that one situation like you know in your class like one kid was messing with me and they were talking about like you know like how i joked around about like you know this girl that died you know and they said that you know i joked around comparing her to this one girl like you know that killed herself and so and i know like it's a really touchy subject but i remember how you were there and like you know and that you you believe me even though like you know like everyone else they were making jokes about it like telling me spreading rumors and that's like you know that one day was like it also changed changed me too mr brown because i remember well, that like you know like i remember that my mind opened up and then I was like, yeah, I shouldn't be going around like, you know, making jokes of like, you know, not like, not about suicide jokes, but like racist jokes or doing stuff to be provocative. Because if I do that, then people will then fire back, like, you know, sp uh, spreading false rumor about me. 
Well, and and you you brought up at the beginning of this podcast too, where you said that you came from this private Christian academy and you had kind of Republican values. And I don't think it's any secret that uh, Rancho High School is a very kind of Democrat-oriented high school. I, I, I could tell that you always wanted to express your opinion, and I always gave you the chance to express your opinion, but then I always asked you to defend your opinion. And there were many times in your sophomore year where the other kids in the class ganged up on you, but as long as you were following like logical reasoning, as you had facts and you were saying the, the conservative side, there were times where I would join your side. And I, it would be me and you versus the entire class. Yeah, I remember. And, I remember being so heavily influenced in, like you know, the conservative lifestyle that I was like really Republican. But I think I think I had swayed and became more libertarian, like rather than conservative or liberal. I became more libertarian and looked at both sides, like you know, the story yeah. before making a conclusion. Yeah, and that's that's critical thinking, man, and that's. That's something that we always try to teach kids how to do, and it's pretty rare when it fully works out. I'm glad it worked out for you. Yes, uh, and it also, like, your class also inspired me, like, you know, for career-wise, too, because I'm planning after I major in psychology and philosophy. I'm, I'm thinking about being a lawyer, too, Mr. Brown. That's, that's great. That's just something, like, you know, that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about because you have shown me, like, you know, like, I can debate, I can somewhat debate, and I can, you know, make solid points. And I just felt like, you know, and just just learning about world history itself and learning how messed up the world is, I really wanted, like, you know, I really want to be a lawyer now to fight against, like, you know, all the negativity around this world. Yeah, well, and, and Lou, you're from an immigrant family yourself, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I'm sure that you can... You know, bring bring up your your skills as a lawyer and advocate for other people coming to the United States. Yeah, because no, not not really that. Okay. I'm not focusing on, well, yeah, I'm not really focusing on that aspect. I'm thinking about doing more pro bono work for families that can't yeah. afford, like you know, like you know, a lawyer. Oh, I would assume many of those would be immigrant families. Is that not correct? Yeah, yeah, for immigrant. Okay. I thought you know, like, you know, paperwork. Like, you know, oh, oh, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be an immigration lawyer per se, but yeah, yeah, but I'm thinking about doing more pro bono uh, work where like those can't really afford, like, you know, a lawyer, they can always call me. And then, yeah, and then, like, I mentioned to you that I am majoring in psychology too. I also want to do, like, you know, fight against like the mental health around the world and people that are struggling that I really want to help them to get their mental health back. Yeah, no, and uh, I, I even do remember there were some times in your sophomore year, two years ago, where you were, you know, Mr. Brown, I'm not feeling great, Mr. Brown, help me out, and I did everything I could to, to encourage you to, to live your best life. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad I helped you out through all that, man. You're, you're a good kid, Lou, despite, despite the haters, you know, throw, Throw them aside. Yeah. It's not really um, like as I am learning each day, like in the end of the day, people will say what they want to say. They'll hear what they want to hear and listen to whatever they want to listen to. And and in the end of the day, no matter what you try to say to them, they, they're just like an actor, you know. They, they they stay by their strip. They won't be moving anywhere. Like you can just tell them, like, you know that the earth is flat and then they'll, and then they'll say something otherwise. Yeah. Oh gosh. Flat earthers. Oh my goodness. Well, and 
and maybe you've already hit on this a little bit, so I might be kind of repeating this this question to a degree. But but Lou, you were definitely one of the kids who came and saw me before and after school quite frequently your sophomore year. What and I, I don't think there was any point where I said like, "Hey, Lou, you have to see me before or after school." You just kind of came on your own volition and said what's up and talked to me about stuff. And I'm I'm curious, like what what made you have that comfortability with me? Why why did you voluntarily check with me about stuff? All, well, all I would say I would say the thing about you is that it's how you understand us us as in students too because because other not only me that came to your class other students as well i can i remember always seeing other people there because i think it's the way how you understand us like you know like you know what we're going through you know what like you know you can relate to us rather than the other teachers that really can't really relate to us yeah well yeah no you're, you're right I, I i definitely do um Okay, and uh, so what would you say is the most important factor for a student to be successful at school? Would you say it's uh, to kind of manage their social life, to manage their at-home life, to manage uh, their, like, what, what sort of advice would you have for maybe some kid about to enter high school? I would say to always set a goal, to set a goal now. Even 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 if you're in eighth grade entering high school, to always like you know be prepared, set a goal, know what you want in life, because when time comes and you don't reach that goal, there you can always like you know you always have a plan B to get to that goal. You're always prepared, and even in your four years of high school, it's it's that you're working towards that goal. Consider like consider it as a way you're working towards it, because after those four years, you're going to college. That's as well and in your junior year it's one of the roughest year because you have to plan oh which college are you going to oh what is required in the application process and you have to gather all of that and schoolwork might be important but always set your goals first because then you know what you want in your life and the happiness you want in your life great yeah, and do you have a, a college you're going to for, with certainty yet? I am still applying for the Naval Academy, and if and if I don't get in, I already have a like I said, set a goal, and I already set a goal and have a backup plan. And my plan is that I will be going to Arizona State University and uh, majoring in psychology and minoring in in uh, philosophy as well as doing pre law. Awesome. Yeah. Arizona State's a great school. I've got, I know some other students there. And so, yeah, I, would, I really recommend it, man. All right, Lou. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to say about the podcast? Is there any, any other concepts in the world of teaching you want to talk about? Well, I, I would also like to say this too, Mr. Brown, that I am currently like, you know, inspired, like, you know, my changes throughout this year being in, like you know back then in your class and looking at me now i felt really inspired as as how i am able to change and as of right now i'm i'm currently writing a short poem book called useful memories and and it's it's one of my it's going to be one of my like you know my favorite thing in the world that i have done because 
throughout the poem, it talks about changes and being like, you know, being this perfect person or at least trying to be this perfect person and being the way how others want to see you. And like you say, like, you know, haters are going to hate. That's why even in my poems, like I'm, I'm writing, it always, it always touches like, you know, the subject of people bringing you down. But in the end of the day, you'll be like a flower blossoming in the spring where you'll be growing every day. You'll be, and the most important thing in life is happiness. Awesome, man. And is, so is that a quote from one of your poems? Can you read any of your poems for the podcast? Yes. Yeah, so let me uh, pull up one of my uh, poems as of right now, because I awesome. save them all in a Google, Google Docs. Perfect. And it's going to be like a short 50-page poem. 50 page. Okay. I don't know if I want to do a 50 page poem on the podcast. Well, it, it's really short. It, it's a really short poem. It's not, it's not one of those. It's not one of those like, you know, really, really long poem, but well, 50 pages. Wait, so hold on. Is the poem 50 pages long? Yeah. Around 50 pages. Well, I, can't, <laughs> Lou, I can't do 50 page poem. It'll take you an hour. Wait, no, wait, wait, hour wait, 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 wait. You know, the whole collection, the poem collection. I'm sorry. About oh, that. okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so one poem that that I written like two days ago is called I Wish For. Okay. And read as I wish for. If I had a wish, I want to be able to color, to color in this world with just my words. I want to wish for one's happiness in themselves, that the bullies at school would have a change in heart, for the loss of one's insanity to be given mental health services. I want to be wished for the ears to listen from our politicians to hear the cries of our of their citizen, demanding liberty and justice for the laws to be colorblind where one receives love and not injustices. I want to wish for a meal for every table at dinner, that there will be equal opportunities for those that work hard to pro provide for their family, where a person sleeping in the cold would be given a rooftop over his head. If I had a wish, I want to be able to color, to make more wishes, to bring peace within our world. Wow. Yay, Lou! Yay! Man, Lou, I could just imagine going back in time two years ago and, and showing the sophomore version of yourself that poem, and the sophomore version of yourself would have would have just, like, responded with some internet troll comments and some other ridiculous stuff. So it's it's just so reassuring for me to see how much you've grown. I really yeah, so I, I, you know, proud that, of you. Lou. I've written that because, like, you know, of... Uh, me heading more like you know in a libertarian perspective every day and just looking at as in like looking at the world as a whole rather than just like you know in one like you know one piece of glass i'm just looking at it like in a whole right now and putting myself in everybody's situations like people that are struggling people that are in religious confinement and just everybody like even not even like you know in my body too like in everybody's and just it's just that the poetry and you have changed my life, Mr. Brown. Wow, that's great, Lou. That's great. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about all this because I, ah, man, wow, this this makes me feel so good. You're making me feel great, you know. And and, and especially, I really love having this conversation with you during the pandemic because I especially feel like right now I'm not making this these deep connections with kids, and I'm not having a lot of this kind of personal growth moments with kids. So I think, you know, that our experience that we we share, it, it shows something that really is, is a reason to justify in-person learning. So I can get to know kids and I can 
inspire kids on the path of change. Yes, I think teachers, like, they should be more like you. They should be at least more open-minded. I, I think if teachers were more open-minded, I think students like me, we would be more able to open up to them rather than, like, you know, keeping everything to ourselves. We would be able to express our own opinions. Yeah. Well, and and hey, Lou, the, the sophomore version of you had some pretty negative opinions on certain things, and I challenged you on them. And I, I recall there were a couple times where I, I debated you in class and I stumped you. And then you said, OK, Mr. Brown, I'm wrong. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad that over time you've you, you've grown so much. It's, it's so impressive to me, man. So impressive. Yeah, because I, I remember being like, you know, just being like clashing with you every day and being <laughs> like, you know, for my opinion. But in the end of the day, as days go by, I realized that being being wrong is OK, because being wrong, that's the way how you be right in situations. Well, it, when you recognize you're wrong, then you can grow from it. You know, that's that's really important. And, and, you know, Lou, I actually had a student last year who I, I saw so many similarities with this, this freshman in my class who was kind of this internet troll kind of kid and, uh, you know, said some pr provocative things in class and, and really had some, some kind of uh, one-off comments at inappropriate times. And I was just like, man, how did I get Lou to change? <laughs> like, whatever I did with Lou, I could use those same strategies and and really uh, change this yeah, kid. I would, I would say that you can't really change a person, and and that's and that's saying that that's a saying, and I would say that saying is true. You can't really change a person, but you can always inspire them to change. The change should mm. be within themselves. Like for me, I decided that I wanted to change. I decided that I wanted to be this good person. And 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 I I I hope you don't mind me sharing this with with the podcast. I won't say specific names, but I do recall there was one of those moments you came before school. And you said, Mr. Brown, I really like this girl. What can I do to get her attention and get her to like me? And I was like, well, Lou, if you stop saying some of this provocative stuff, if you show her that you're a smart, compassionate guy, maybe she'll give you the time of day. And uh, eventually you did change. And and I, I know you two aren't together anymore, but but uh, you did have a, a, a relationship for a time. So I thought that was that was also pretty inspirational, too. Yeah, because I, I did change and it wasn't in the end of the day, it wasn't really for them as well. Like I mentioned, it wasn't really it wasn't really for her or anybody. It was for me because in the end of the day, it's my life. It's how I want to live life and how I want others to see me. That's that's great, man. That's wonderful. All right. Well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, Lou. You're giving me some some new motivation to keep uh, trying to inspire children. I really could use some of that right now because it's this online learning, it's just so distant. I feel like I'm not making connections with kids. Yeah, because I, and yeah, I, I would, because I, I always see that like throughout my other classes as well. Like, there just isn't time to connect with other kids. No one goes to the lunch assembly, like, rarely anyone goes to the lunch yeah. assembly. And, in classes it's just so quiet in classes the only thing you hear talking is the teachers darn yep okay well thanks a lot for being on the podcast if uh, anybody has any questions about the podcast you can always send me an email at vegasmoderneducator at gmail.com thanks a lot bye-bye